Hello, and welcome to episode 8 of the book 4 titled The Captive of Arlow. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Let's begin. Who are these? asked King Chase, surprised, befuddled. The elves, those with a grudge, will haunt me to it for an eternity, insisted the boy. It's not too high a price to pay, not for me, to have assembled an army that will rival the mastery of the elves and the dwarves throughout the Abyssin. These are the dragon bread, the men I sold into slavery, the Wukdu, and you are their king. And King Chase, humbled, trembling, walked among his own army, amidst his own nation, the pride of the Abyssin that would come tomorrow. As he walked, the troops, their brass helmets aflame, closed in around him, placing their hands on him, swearing fealty to him. There were shouts, all of them weakening King Chase, causing him to stumble. With a tremulous smile, King Chase turned. He reached behind him. He had to demonstrate his gratitude to King Ju, for without him, his reign would not be possible. But he searched and searched. King Ju was now no longer to be seen. Lord Thokil appeared dejected, as did most of his following priestly clad dwarves. I thought King Ansel has come to Sturm, declared one. Where is he? Was a common lament. Even Brokill could be heard asking, Why not open the gates to us yet? A shrill horn welcomed dawn to the Abyssine. The golden sunlight ushered an army onto the battlefields outside the walls of Sturm. As Brokill and his fellow clever light dwarves watched, a singing, thumping army of priestly clad dwarves approached. Their voices served to shake the walls as they mounted the three bridges that crossed the churning Aix River. Why have these dwarves come? asked the priest Frindle of the Lord Brokill. Are they here to accompany us? Brokill frowned. I do not think so. Listen to their song. Do you not hear it? Frindle grimaced. I have heard nothing like it. It's in an old dialect. What do you suppose it means? Brokill replied, The song they sing is not an ode to war. These dwarves do not intend to serve alongside their brethren within these walls. The song is in praise of King Ansel, the one king of the United Nation of the Dwarves. Those that sing it are said to be in service to the one king, though they are not. It's unspoken, but when the dwarves hear it, they know to fear. Fear what? asked Frendel. Fear that those singing intend to slay those dwarves that will not immediately surrender to them. As the dwarves amassed on the western shore, Lord Brokill quickly shouted commands at his troubled and confused troops. What do we do? demanded one dwarf priest. Should we take on this army? We do not stand a chance. Lord Brokill waved his hands. Go on, my brethren. We have the advantage. All we need to do is congregate at the walls of Sturm. Go on. Line up with your backs against the wall. Prepare your slings. I am convinced it will be enough to hold them back. And the clever lights dutifully responded to the order. The priestly clad dwarves washed against the mighty stone fortress and prepared their slings as the army that was not from among their own removed their axes and strengthened their booming song. There was a tense moment as the army from Brendo came within a hundred yards of the walls of Sturm and the steadfast, bracing, priestly clad defenders. Immediately the singing and the thumping stopped. As Lord Brokill of his clever lights looked on, 
A solitary dwarf, silver plate gleaming from beneath his modest cloak, stepped out into the no-man's land. It was King Zendel of the city of Brendel. What are the self-sacrificing, abstaining, dwarven lifestyle, refusing types like yourselves doing here? War has come once again to the dwarves. Will you stand between us, me and those who killed my brother? If you do, you will most certainly be slain. Lord Brokill did not hesitate, but himself stepped forward. It is our hope that Dwarf need not fight Dwarf, that we can come together in this trying time and end this conflict without a drop of blood being shed. You must believe that my father Ansel lives. Is that the truth? Lord Brokill coughed into his fist, then responded, it is the hope of all those who espouse the teachings of Monk Cleverell that the One Lord will honor and embrace those dwarves that turn away from the lives of self-serving and choose to uphold King Ansel by turning away from the caustic greed and lust of the dwarves for the sake of an elite dwarven nation. King Zendel spat, Yours is an empty hope, as empty and foolish to believe in as the future of my father promised. Do you know why my father was killed? because everyone knew that the dwarves would cease to be dwarves should, the, should their warlike nature be eradicated, that they need give up their wealth to the king's coffers. His second-in-command certainly knew he believed that humans were equals and needed to be accepted as such. He could not ask his three sons to choose his non-bellicose lifestyle that he was preaching. My father is dead. The hope of you clever lights you promised the death of all the dwarves that take up your teaching. Lord Brokill badgered the king that stood several yards in front of him. Why have you come? You have dressed like, like us. Who do you suppose holds the gates of Sturm? King Zendel snorted. I know the truth. I know people receptive to your message, like my brother's captain of the guard, Bertel, hold the throne. What do I know? I will tell you. My brother Trendel is dead. Someone close to Trindle killed him, his captain of the guard. There are persons I fear, even among my own leadership. Is my own brother, Sturtle, king of Mi'kmaq, the one to blame? Your brothers have known to fear one another ever since we took a dwarven kingdom for our own. Now that Trindle is dead, my heart takes comfort in the fact there is one less person I need suspect. I intend to enter Sturm and uncover the traitors from within, even if I have to torture every last one of them. You must know who I will hunt down first. There will be anyone with a disposition toward the teachings of your foolish monk, for I know the fringe thoughts of your religion, the so-called black letter, that the dwarf lords, including the three brothers, must die if King Ansel is to return and take his place as the one king of the United Nation. I know I must extricate these frightful beliefs. King Zendel of Brendel smiled broadly. You did not think you would lose the war this day, did you? Your hope is that the city gates would be thrown wide and that you would be welcomed with open arms, that everyone within would convert to your faith. The truth is not so complimentary. That Sturm could belong to you? Ha! Trindale allowed these boils to fester within his kingdom's walls. The other priests, those with similar beliefs, 
the followers of Prophet Krendel and Priestess Yertle. I have rounded them all up, as many as I could. I saw the threat they represent. Both my brothers were too late. Brother Trindel, well, that lack of foresight cost him his life. And Brother Sturdel, I have yet to determine his allegiance, either to me or to your faith. Either way, he has chosen poorly. He won't live long enough to regret it. The last of the clever lights will die tonight. You will come away with nothing. As for me, I will take everything Sturm has to offer. My engineers and scientists will turn over every stone. We will take the wealth and the knowledge and the technology from this place. Make Brendel the envy depository for such treasure. Then, most certainly, we will have won the Dwarven War. The question you must ask yourself, Lord Brokel, leader of the Clever Lights, Faith, is one of two things. You cooperate with me, and you will save your life though all your other followers will die, as did their faithful companions that espoused the teachings of Krendel and Ertel, after every one of them has been tortured by you. Or you can fight us here, right now, for the rights of the, to the city. What will you do? What is your choice? Suddenly there came the sound of mayhem from across the aches. Horrific monsters, giants and trolls, goblins and gargoyles, the undead, washed across the bridges and swept across the low-lying peninsula like a dirty tide. They caught up with the army from Brendel and drove them from the other priestly-clad dwarves against the, wall of the city, walls of the city. We must do something, quick, before we lose all advantage. And Lord Brokel jumped, punched three goblins each in the throat, then leapt and retrieved the axe of a slain brother. Come quick, now, my fellow dwarves, he urged. We are quicker, better skilled. We can stop these frights. Lord Brokill quickly identified the threat posed to the King Zendel. He, together with his high command, weathered a storm of an advancing vanguard of giants and half-breeds. The hybrid elves were smart and well-led. They succeeded in isolating the King from Brendel and were closing fast, preparing to overcome and slay him. The Lord chirped shrilly, and motioning frantically, recruited a dozen of his brethren. A giant was about to land a club on King Zendel's head and thereby end him when Lord Brokill's party managed to wedge itself forcibly between both forces. There were shouts and squeals as the contingent of giants and half-breeds were driven back. Lord Brokill knelt and rescued the king. I do not believe it. You have let me live. Brokill spoke over the din. I have saved your life, but it has come at a price. I'll ask something of you after this, once we've survived this. The dwarves had no time to recover or strengthen their position. Just as quickly as the horrors were driven back, the armies of King Prenhook and of Charon and of Candide were whipped up in a frenzy. Hungry for blood, the creatures drove those amassed before them forward. The dwarves held fast when they met as many as three waves, driving each back and decimating their numbers. We are holding our own, managed King Zendel. Advance, my brothers, enthused his fellow soldiers. Push them back into the river. Immediately the dwarven line buckled. A prong bristling with gleaming weapons materialized unexpectedly between King Zendel and Lord Brokill. As the priestly-clad lord watched, 
The frightful surge of teeth and claws burst through the enfeebled line and separated the pair of leaders. I won't have this. I won't. Again, Lord Brokehill barked to command. His fellow priestly dwarves, mostly all of them armed with slings and stones, launched a devastating attack, unloading a volley of stones. The rocks were well placed, entering the scalps of the hungry beasts, sending blood and brain matter flying, dispatching many frights. With a shout, the dwarves swiftly annihilated the challenge presented by the frights that had pulverized the line of dwarves that initially met it. We are successful, shared Lord Brokill, though I do not know how many more advances from these monsters we can successfully thwart. Now is my chance. Immediately a pair of hands grasped Lord Brokill from behind and drove him to the ground. Brokill winced in the brilliant sunlight. He identified King Zendel standing over it. He was rotating his axe as he stood over Brokill. There was a sadistic glint in his eye. I learned a lesson very early on from my brothers, of all people. King Zendel dug his boot into Lord Brokill's right fist, forcing his axe from his grip. I must not be in debt to anyone. You saved my life once. You should not have saved my life. And King Zendel, despite the chaos and din of the battle, lifted his dripping axe above his head. It was about to cleave his counterpart's head in two, and Lord Brokill cringed when suddenly a horn sounded from across the aches. Lord Brokko could just see it out of the corner of his eye. The flashing lights, the half-breed elves were materializing behind the dwarves. Dwarves found themselves surrounded. Terrified, King Zendel lowered his axe and ran for the amoeba-like mass of dwarves, a congealing pool driven masterfully together by the monsters from near the shore on the one side and the advancing half-breeds to the west between the fledgling dwarven army and the walls of Sturm. Lord Brokill did not know if he should be grateful. He may have escaped the axe of King Zendel, but that did not mean the elven hybrids would show any mercy. He picked himself up. The battle was over. The dwarves would most certainly be eradicated by this successful counterstroke. His head lowered. He shuffled for toward the advancing half-breeds with each step anticipating an arrow piercing his ribcage. The priestly clad lord lifted his head. His eye met that of a half-blood. Serene and respectful and yet bloodlustful, the gaze disturbed the dwarf. Certainly not like looking in the eyes of a fellow dwarf, the mirth and merriment he identified in King Zendel's eye. The two, half-elf and dwarf lord, stood transfixed across from one another, not ten yards apart. The hybrid tensed the arrow with his thumb and forefinger. Gravely, he pulled back the string. He aimed his arrow, a certain kill shot, when something unexpected happened. The elves quickly disappeared. There came immediately a ground swell of a voice, something not unlike thunder, or the sound the ground might make upon opening up. The dwarves were cheering, they were singing in unison. They were beating their chests with their fists. What had happened, wondered Lord Brokill. How had the dwarves avoided certain defeat? Then he saw it, and his face smarted from the smile that creased his face. Dwarves had come from inside Sturm, not from behind the gate, which remained sealed. These dwarves had come from one of the many secret tunnels 
that were burrowed beneath the mountains that served to defend the city's western face. There were several hundred of these dwarfs. As they amassed on the shore, they developed a spearhead and ran, eviscerating everything that stood in their path. Quickly, an opening developed, and the frights that were engaging the priestly clad dwarfs found themselves separated from the thousands and thousands that were chomping at their chance for fresh meat on the opposite shore across the three bridges. Dwarves, dwarven engineers understood their role and quickly acted, washed upon the pilings beneath each of the three bridges. As the wood creaked and groaned from the weight of the now terrified monsters fixed upon the bridges, unable to escape, bombs were detonated and the bridges quickly exploded. The debris dissolved beneath the churning waters, the frights clawing and bobbing being swept downstream. The Dwarven army had been saved. Now isolated and vulnerable, the army was swept downstream and suffered the wrath of an avenging dwarf. Within a half hour's time, the contingent of horrors that had been separated from its massing support across the river folded and perished. Lord Brokill had unfinished business. The clever lights were doomed as long as a certain dwarf lived. There he was, several yards ahead of him, King Zendel. He had to intercept him. He had to slay him. No telling how long Brokill would live, should the king escape Brokill's wrath. He knelt. He scooped up a rock. He deposited it in his sling. He was about to end the threat posed by Zendel when someone grabbed his forearm. Hello, greeted Thokil the Elder, the former lead guard of the Sturm. Of Sturm. Welcome to your home, Sturm, my brother dwarf. You have not had a meal in quite some time. Isn't that the truth? Would you like some roast mutton? Perhaps some stew? Asked Thokil the Younger of the Batkin Boy. Oh, that would be the best, replied the beggar's son. But he quickly withdrew. Wary, he asked. What's all this about? What? asked Thokil. I understand your uneasiness. You must be frightened. There are those out there who seek to take advantage of you, or to hurt you. That's okay. If you don't trust me, I will leave you, and you can return to the seventh gate. I just thought you'd like something fresh and hot to eat, is all. The beggar boy hesitated for a moment. He gave the offer of a hot meal a lot of thought. So much that Thoko was having second thoughts. You're special. I know that. I see it. Why must you live in squalor? Come with me and leave your ordeal behind. Did my father send you? Thoko did not hesitate, but smiled broadly. Yes. The boy scoffed. He must have told you what I must do. Has he told you? What hoops must I jump through? He thinks you must confide in me. Listen to a dwarf. Can't steer you wrong. Nope. That sounds like him. He must have a lot of faith in you. He must think I'd listen to the likes of you. I assume this, you coming to me, was only because of father. Another test by father. I choose to go hungry. I choose to wear rags. I choose to be a beggar. Okay. I'll go with you. Okay? And the boy slid his hand into Thokil's. The two made their way past the seventh gate and the guard there up the road, where the wealthy, distinguished dwarves lived a life of wealth and privilege, apart from the poor and miserable who lived in the city below, before the gate. 
the boy dwarf scowled. In all my months at Seventh Gate, I did not know why the dwarves needed to separate themselves. There's super craftsmanship at every doorstep, at every windowsill, crowning every structure. Maybe Father thought I should see this. Maybe he thought that you could bring me around. If I got immersed in the best of the dwarf life, Thoko only said, I don't know. I think it's a crime. What's a crime? demanded the boy. That some dwarves live amidst wealth and privilege while most live in squalor. You don't agree? That some cho choose to be beggars? That you should choose to live this way? Everyone is entitled to as much gold and as much luxury as he can muster. That's what I believe. There are those who oppose my father, those who refuse to believe in wealth and status. The boy dwarf cocked his head to the side and uttered a modest chuckle. Whatever you have to say, I think there is, a, there is good reason for dwarves to be held apart. There is a whole new life beyond the appetites a, a dwarf feels he must feel. Feed, he must feed. It builds character. If you must know, my father made me this beggar boy. My father thinks I deserve these rags and crumbs to eat. That I can, can't help but choose to be a dwarf through and through. He thinks it is a crime you should rescue me from my plight. Dwarves don't pick other dwarves up, not unless there is something wrong with them. Ain't you afraid of prison? That's what happened to Sendel. Sendel was nice to me. Sendel fed me and clothed me. For that, Sendel vanished. I wouldn't be surprised if he was forced to live among humans now. Thoku continued to prompt the boy mercilessly. He had to determine the identity of the blind man. Is he the leader of troops? Is he a king? What about the blind dwarf, the veteran of the dwarf wars? What do you know about him? Everything was taken from him, or he gave everything away. He's becoming someone I want to be. There's something more to him. There's something more to being a dwarf. If he was into taking on pupils, I would sign up for that. If only he didn't expect a leader. I want to revoke that part of me that's got to lead. My father sent you to me, the boy remonstrated. He wants me to choose like the blind warrior chose. To choose blindness. That's the choice every dwarf that goes the road I'm on chooses in the end. Father wants me to see that before I pluck my own eyes out, apparently. Maybe I can't be a dwarf unless I'm blind. I guess Father thought I would refuse to fight or to lead. Sorry to disappoint him. Sorry to disappoint you. Wow. Check out this place. Who's inside? A dead dwarf? A rare dwarf. A dwarf that lifts others up, replied Thokil. A generous dwarf. Someone who thinks his wealth would best serve the poor. Would you like to learn more about this man? Would you like to go inside? I would, replied Batkin eagerly. It is a place I would like to visit. Far from the urine-soaked streets I'm accustomed to, I would most certainly like to enter. Coco drifted past the young beggar boy. He approached the black cast-iron gate. The dwarf turned the key. There was a hollow clang. Then the gate swung wide. With a smile, he ushered the beggar boy inside. And that concludes episode 8 of book 4 titled The Captive of Arlo. 
will I will read the next installment next week. Hope you're listening. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.